are we ever going to heal from this? Am I ever not going to have to hold you on the bedroom floor? Because I kind of feel like this could be our new marriage. And that's terrifying for a new husband. That's like, well, I was so excited for our life together and we have a new home and we can look at other ways of having a family. But here you are so stuck on something that they clearly said no. We're back with another episode uh, in our mini-series that we're calling How God Builds a Family. And, you know, this is the Following Faith Podcast. You're, you're no stranger to uh, what we do around here. And uh, we're telling stories from our Hope Reporters community here in Northwest Indiana of people who are just following Christ in the everyday life. And in our church, Daniel, we've got a bunch of people who are uh, desiring to be parents and, and working towards being parents. And yeah. uh, and for some people, it just hasn't worked out from one, one way or another. Today, we get a chance to sit down with uh, David and Maddie Zimmerman. You know the Zimmermans. Oh, yeah. They're quality people. The best. I, I don't know anybody who is more uh, fun-loving, respectable, just loves Jesus with all their heart, exudes joy than David and Maddie. And uh, today, uh, we get to talk with them about some things that happened in David's life that had some lasting implications, yeah. uh, particularly when it came to having kids. And I think one of the lessons we learn is that um, sometimes God leads you through the unexpected. Right? I'll just leave it at that. Sometimes God leaves you, leads right. you through the unexpected. Um, and so uh, here, here we go with episode two. Here we go of how God builds a family. Hey, I'm so grateful to have uh, joining us today, my good friends, David and Maddie Zimmerman. Guys, welcome to the Following Faith Podcast. Thank you. Hello, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, oh, you- Nobody um, ever asks that. That's no. So nice, no, that was, that was really nice. <laughs> you, see, our listeners are already getting question. a- Our listeners yes. are already getting a sense of the the the- caring nature of both David and Maddie. Um, do you guys, just a personal note, I've known you guys now going on, I think, um, just about five years. I think it was maybe 2016, mm-hmm. if I have our timeline correct, that um, you guys were engaged and uh, we were studying finances together, personal finances. <laughs> and y'all were yes. getting ready for, um, getting, getting ready to get married and just looking ahead to life. And I remember, um getting to know you guys and, and, um, you've got just an incredible story of what God has brought you through. And so I wanted to start with, um, David and Maddie, the dating couple. Um, can you take us back (laughs) a long way? Um, you guys dated for a long time, right? I mean, high school, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. From Mm -hmm. 2012, pretty much. So Maddie, what was it about David that made you, uh, you know, (laughs) just have your eye towards him? Um, his arms, totally. Yeah, he was a lot older. So at first I was just very intimidated, but quickly realized like, hey, this guy's really nice and really cute. And all right. So <laughs> it kind of flowed from there. But then uh, we realized we'd go to the same youth group. So that was pretty, pretty cool to see too. Wait, did you not know that you went to the same youth group before? Was that something you like figured out afterwards? No, we met in high school. Yep. And then one Thursday, we just show up and I'm like, oh, I just met that guy oh, the other day. Oh, that's great. I was like, yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's really cool. He just keeps, yep. He just kept showing up in different places. I'm like, hmm, maybe I <laughs> He didn't used to go. Guy. He didn't used yeah. to go to the youth group. But <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So at first yeah. he was just the hot guy with the arms, but then he was the hot Jesus guy with the arms. Got exactly. It, yeah. it got better <laughs> yeah. and better, you guys. Awesome. Yeah. It got better and better. And that youth That's group was Bethel. So let's just be clear for any of our Verge listeners out there. This could right? be you. This could yeah. be you. Just a this short eight years. <laughs> That's scary for the parents. More so I was 14 when I met David. So. Oh boy. Yes. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah. So you guys, you guys were uh, high school sweethearts and David, you uh, graduated high school earlier than Maddie did. And, and what did yep. you do afterwards? Um, what, what, what so, did life take you? Yeah. Life took me to uh, Fort Benning, Georgia. I was in the army reserves. Um, so I spent uh, about 10 weeks in Fort Benning, Georgia, and then went to Virginia another like 10 or 12 weeks there. And I came back home. Um, having been in the reserves to train in Fort Sheridan, Illinois with my unit. But honestly, that wasn't, that wasn't enough for me. That's not what I wanted. Uh, so I rejoined the active duty side of the army 
and went to basic training a second time in uh, November 2014, I believe. Were you guys dating through this whole period or did you just drop him at that point, oh, yeah. Maddie? Like, I can't, can't do the army thing. And what was that? What was that like? What was, what was it like dating somebody older who wasn't there? It was bizarre because I had all my friends in high school who I loved and spent all my time with, but my heart is gone with this awesome guy who is living this totally different life. Um, and we're communicating half the time just by letter, which is so weird, especially in our day and age. So it's like, hold on. oh, it's Romantic. Friday, I might get my letter. You guys would send letters <laughs> yeah. to each other? What? In book yeah. camp, that's what you had to do. Yeah. So there were, there were multiple weeks where that was all we got. And then there would be a phone call like once a week, but you have to split that between family members. So it's a limited amount of time and he wants to call his mom or whoever. So we got a little bit of time in there, but not too much. So wow. I think I've seen it was this crazy. Movie. It was so weird. <laughs> I yeah. totally have seen this movie. This is awesome. Yeah. Do you it's, still have the letters? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We do. I love we do. I never get rid of those. They were so special. And it was, it's, the distance is very difficult, but at the same time, it's true that it makes your heart grow fonder. It was a great challenge, but that I would say grew our foundation. So can't, can't complain. <laughs> One of the knocks on high school sweethearts is immaturity, right? Like you just yeah. don't, you don't have life experience. You haven't struggled through anything. It's just hard to feel like, like a, like a, in some sense, a parent thinking about their own child has the the maturity to care for the soul and the spirit of somebody else. But something like that will really grow you up. You know, mm -hmm. that type of experience will really um, make you prioritize and, and make decisions and start planning for a future. And so um, I want to be really bold and ask the question, when did you guys know you were going to get married? Like, did, <sighs> was that an early thing or was that something later? That Thursday, that Thursday at Burge, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, we started dating in the summer of 2012. And I think probably by the next year or the beginning of 2013, I knew that I wanted to marry this girl. So just a deep love, just a, yeah. a, a mature love beyond your years, for sure. And I think anyone who knows you would say that's that's a great characterization of just the two of you. Mm -hmm. um, David, what happened while you were um, at boot camp? Right. So the second time going through boot camp, um, I just started feeling sick. You know, um, I, I couldn't run. I was falling out of uh, these battalion runs all the time, getting yelled at all the time. Um, and I was passed my final physical fitness test, my run, um, by a matter of seconds, pretty much mm -hmm. to allow me to graduate basic training and, and, uh, went to airborne school, uh, and immediately failed out the very first day. You know, I, I couldn't, um, there was no physical stamina there. And in the meantime, I was, you know, waking up in the middle of the night, just drenched in sweat um, feeling burning hot. I would jump out of my bunk and go splash water on my face. And, you know, just like knowing that I had to graduate basic training, I think just having the drive from everyone around me, not wanting or being afraid maybe to, to fail out. Right. So, so I just kind of like shoved it all to the side and I knew the end was close. So I figured, once I graduated, then I would, you know, figure out what's what's up or take it more serious, right? So um, airborne school, failed out of airborne school and um, was essentially in this holding place, you know, this really scary time of my life where I had this uh, plan, these next two years of my life planned out, knew exactly where I was going to be and that just like was gone and mm -hmm. being the um, property of the government they could put me anywhere. And, uh, they were actually going to send me out to the desert in California. Um, but God had other plans because just trying to figure out why I was so ill, um, over the course of like three weeks and three different hospitals. Um, you know, just like the first one I remember, uh, being there the, the longest and eventually, um, being surrounded by, 
um, an infectious disease team, an autoimmune disease team, and an oncology team. And that was that was the first place. Um, can I say it? Can I say the C word? Yeah, that's the first place cancer was mentioned. Right, is at this this first mm. hospital uh, where I had been. How old were you? Um, I was, I was twenty, I believe. Um, and so hearing, oh yeah, you might you might have cancer, right? Um, lo- lots of people have cancer, but but you don't have cancer. Lots of people have cancer, but it doesn't happen to me. It happens to grandma or or mom. Um, and it was, it was, I just remember my mom being in the room with me and after the doctors left, just breaking down in tears and crying out to God to protect us and uh, defend us and help us. And, 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 you know, what does all this mean? What does the future look like? Um, but that that hospital said, like, we we don't know what you have and we don't have the ability to treat you either way. So we're going to send you to the next one. Right. So I, I left that hospital um, still not knowing really what was going on, mm. just having a better idea of how bad it was. Um, and my second hospital, I was only there for 16 hours before they pretty much said the same thing. Like, we've got it narrowed down a little more but we still don't have the ability to, to treat you for what you need here. So we're going to move you on. It's like, okay. And um, I think the, uh, a lot of the details get left out because me being so ill or so tired or just like not remembering the part of mm-hmm. that part of my life, you know, mm-hmm. my mom, mm-hmm. And I will still to this day talk about it. I'd be like, are you serious? That happened? And she'll be like, David, you don't, like, you are so sick. You are so incredibly sick. Um, So finally at this third hospital, right, I wasn't there for more than 12 hours before they're like, okay, well, you have both an autoimmune disease called HLH and uh, cancer called Hodgkin's lymphoma. And we're going to start you on chemotherapy right away because by the grace of God, they're treated the exact same way. Um, so, and not only that, Hodgkin's lymphoma is um, just one of the most well-known types of cancer. It has a, a very high survival rate and pretty much where I was at, you know, um, that hospital in Georgia would have treated me the same way as, you know, the hospital in Chicago that I ended up with. And that was just kind of like the standard, right? So I definitely had that going for me. Um, And I had my first chemotherapy in Augusta, Georgia, during the the giant golf tournament. And I remember that because my mom and I were in a hotel after being discharged. We were in a hotel waiting to get orders so I could go home from the military. Um, And they're just like, you know, it, it takes so long for things in the military to go. And we we're sitting in the hotel, but we couldn't stay there any longer um, because they they were booked up for this stinking golf tournament, right? <laughs> Tiger Woods needed your room. <laughs> I guess so. Someone did. Uh, things things eventually moved along and, and uh, we were able to come home. So Maddie, how are you processing all of that? in, you know, as a senior in high school with this man you love, not, not just far away from you, but now struggling through something no 20 year old should have to deal with. How did you know that? Well, I remember his mom, she's, she's a saint. She came to me and said, Maddie, you're young and I know you love my son, but this is more than anybody should be asked to take on essentially when you're this at this stage of life. And she meant it to pretty much say that if this is too much, we're, we won't, you know, hold this against you. Um, because she knew how much my heart was hurting for David and she wanted, she cared for me and I'll never forget that because that takes a lot of bravery for a mom to do. Um, but it was at that point, you know, I had just been praying like crazy. I was her way. I was in Indiana the whole time that David was in Georgia getting all this stuff figured out. So he would text and call. So 
it was just a lot of touch point. Okay. What did they say now? And just kind of getting information secondhand, which was very challenging, but you kind of just go into a survival mode of, okay, well, one day at a time, one hour at a time, one piece of information at a time, let's just keep giving this to God. Let's keep praying. And, um, and, and holding on to hope that they're going to, he's in good care and they're going to figure out what it is. And we'll just, like I said, take it one day at a time, but it was very emotional. Like, especially at night when things were calm and I wasn't getting any more information and school was done and got time to relax, then the emotion would hit because it's quiet and you have all that time to think. So it's hard to watch somebody you love suffer or go through something difficult, especially with health and not be able to fix them. not be able to heal them because you know who heals them, right? Like we know that that is not in, not in our capabilities, but you still desire to, to fix it. And Mm -hmm. so that was a tough lesson. Very young. It was very hard, um, to, to be distanced from him when all this is going on. So David, walk us through what happens next. You, um, are being treated with chemo and what's the, what's the next phase of the story for you? Yeah, so uh, the chemotherapy regime I was on, um, I was being treated at Northwestern Medicine in Chicago and was put on this uh, six-month or 12-cycle chemotherapy regime. I got it every other week. After the second month, they they do a a scan of you to essentially see if the drug's working, right? Because you got to make sure it's working. You know, you can't just go by feeling. And uh, I felt great, though. Um, honestly, the, the, uh, chemotherapy wasn't, uh, wasn't all that bad. I lost a lot of my hair, but I had a little fuzzy head and, um, (laughs) I was able to, um, aside of like some nausea and just exhaustion the day of, and maybe the day after, um, it wasn't anything super big. And, you know, we'd go up to Chicago every two weeks for my chemotherapy and, um, and, and my scan came back after those two months as clean. Like they said, like, we're going to finish out all six months of this because that's what you do. But right now, like you're technically in remission and it, it was just like, it was great, (laughs) you know, (laughs) fantastic. Just how quickly the Lord worked. Um, it, it was just as fantastic. Um, to see how quickly the Lord worked at the end of it, just because at the end of six months, you know, you're going to get another scan and, uh, well, it it was back and, and, and stronger actually. Um, Mm -hmm. and that was, um, just really, I felt very hopeless, uh, for a while. Um, And I say God is still great in that um, because he gives us hope. You know, he He gives us the strength to continue fighting. And there's honestly a lot to just hand off to him and being able to rest in knowing that he is, he is the solid rock and uh, all other ground is sinking stand. That was kind of like my mantra back in basic training, not knowing what was going on, not knowing where I was going, not knowing when I would see family or Maddie next, you know, just like not knowing what I was sick with. Gosh, Mm. Lord, you are the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I have no idea what is going on. I would pray this daily and, um, you know, just reaching back out to him and recognizing that a lot of it is just unknown. Uh, You know, at that point, just finding out that news is, is gut wrenching, but what's more gut wrenching is like, okay, am I going to go back on the same chemotherapy? Is it going to be a different chemotherapy? What are they going to do now? And, and so actually, um, it was, I went back on, um, chemotherapy. It was a different chemotherapy and, uh, Mm. I was much stronger. Um, I, I stayed overnight in the hospital for that one, just a little more inconvenient. And uh, th- their plan was, okay, we're going to do this chemotherapy and we're going to do it three times and it's just once a month, right? So three months later, come to the end of it, have another scan, you know, like, okay, great, this is working, but we're going to give you this, you know, third chemotherapy to kick the bucket. Like, okay, 
you know, let's, let's just get it over with. And I only had that one a couple of times, I think. And, you know, you have another scan and, and then my doctor, she was like, you know, you know, just to make sure that it never comes back, we're going to do uh, some radiation and have a stem cell transplant. I'm like, whoa, what's that? Um, so it started in April uh, and I, I went into the hospital and I had seven days of pretty much straight chemotherapy, just uh, different dr- drugs being infused. Um, and they're able to um, pre-medicate you for your assumed symptoms, so nausea and things like that. Um, having that much, (laughs) um, of a drug that is designed to kill your, your blood cells and, um, you know, to ultimately kill the cancer cells, there's, there's a lot of, um, other good cells being killed there. Mm. And, uh, so after the chemotherapy, I had, had a day of rest, day of nothing, And, uh, the rest, you know, I spent a total of three weeks in the hospital. So five days chemotherapy day of rest, then comes to April 7th, my rebirth day, right? That's the, the rebuilding of my, um, immune system. They, they, um, you know, took blood very frequently. And, and once you, you know, once you complete all that, they finally like, all right, you're free to go. And you're like, that's great. Like I, I haven't walked in, in like two weeks, but you know, I guess I'll try and get out of this bed. Right. That was one of the big things they were like, you need to get up and walk. You need to get up and walk, Yeah. you know, just, and I would carry my little IV pole and, and Maddie would come and they have they had some stairs. There was like three stairs. Right. And so I'd like walk up the three stairs and walk right back down the three stairs. Everest so at that point, walking up Everest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, what, pretty what much. an incredible yeah. difference between like a vibrant twenty-one-year-old man in like that must have just you must have had moments of just being like, I mean, just a, a year previous to that, you're in the army. You know, it just is that's yeah. unreal. The the change that took place, and I'm I'm just imagine that must have been incredibly difficult for many reasons, not just obviously all the chemo and side effects, but just the lack of strength in all of those things. It was very frustrating. Just like, yeah. uh, having the, the kind of like the competitive side, just right. Or like I used to do, you know, a hundred pushups in two minutes or whatever, just, and, and now, you know, all that needs to be rebuilt. Mm. Yeah. David, you mentioned there were some side effects. At what point was the, um, caution to you given about possible side effects to your fertility? Um, it was actually given at the, the first back in Georgia and, you know, Maddie and I were just dating. We were serious, but we were dating me being 20 years old or whatever. Like I'm not thinking about having a family. So that definitely was not on the forefront of my mind. Um, so with the first medicine or with the first round of chemotherapy, they were like, you know, uh, there is a chance that you're not going to be able to have kids. Um, but they're, you know, typically after, you know, X amount of years, your body kind of like recovers from that. And so I'm like, okay, you know, throw that on the back burner. Let's focus on chemotherapy and radiation and all that stuff. And that's like, so the second, you know, uh, second, uh, chemo regime was much stronger, uh, much more potent. Um, and they're like, okay, well, you know, like the first one, um, you might not be able to have kids, but, but really like we mean it this time, like you probably won't be able to have kids. And then after everything, um, it was, it was pretty much, you know, like why after a year you can, uh, coming and get tested and see if you're viable. Um, and so after, you know, um, a year after the stem cell transplant is, is when, you know, Maddie and I went, uh, back to Northwestern and, and, and got tested and, um, there wasn't anything, you know, we, we suspected that, uh, but there was a little bit of hope. And I think that's when infertility really entered, um, into our lives as, just this 
just a, a source, a source of a lot of things, um, but a source of depression and sadness, fighting and, or just like navigating that with a new married couple that's already navigating married life just throws a larger, larger wrench into the, into the mix. I think this is where Kristen and I show up in the story uh, a little bit because we, um, we, it was a, it was a beautiful moment of our campus's history when just uh, the foundation of our campus had kind of congealed and a bunch of new people were coming in and we were starting uh, a small group with, um, it was like the first moment for Chris and I to be like the old people in the group. <laughs> like we were, we were, we had always been the young ones in the group. And finally, like, it was like, oh, well, there's all these young married couples and you guys, Maddie, you were, you couldn't, you know, you were, you were, you were 20, yeah. 20, yeah. you were 20 and married. And so you were in our, in our group. And I, I want to say yeah. it was the first day, the first time we ever gathered it in was, our living yeah. room, we run around just kind of getting to know each other. And we, we asked you know, we kind of set some ground rules, like we're going to be authentic. We're going to, you know, love each other. We're going to show up on time, all that stuff. And <laughs> we said, we're, yeah, we're going to bring food. And then, but we're going to pray. We're going to pray for each other. And does anybody have anything we could pray for? And Maddie, you, um, I think it was you who spoke mm-hmm. up and said, you know, we're, we just found out this news. Do you remember what you said and, and kind of where you were at emotionally in this season of life and how that was hitting yeah, you? Yeah, I do. I remember it like it was yesterday, just sitting on your couch. I remember where I was sitting on your couch. Um, I remember Kristen crying with me. (laughs) Um, I, I just felt very pushed, um, by the Holy spirit to share because I thought I cannot do this alone. There is so much of me that wants to keep this to ourselves. I want to cry and suffer alone. I don't want to talk about it. It's too painful. It's too fresh, but when you guys asked for prayer requests, um, I just couldn't deny that I needed to to reach out for help and that I could trust this group of people who genuinely love the Lord and would care for us and would just lift us up because there are seasons where you can't give as much. You just have to accept help and allow the village that God has given you to support you and encourage you. And sometimes personality it's really hard to accept that to be in a like that vulnerable of a position um with something that I didn't want to be struggling with which sounds like okay nobody wants to struggle but this specifically was something I never wanted to experience and it had been my dream to be a mom um a biological mama so to have this specific struggle it felt like our world was caving in and I needed you guys to pray. I needed somebody else to know. I just didn't want to walk my days without somebody else knowing how much our hearts were hurting and how, at the time, I didn't know how much our marriage would be affected. It was very fresh, but we met with you guys later on, like months later, because we were struggling in our marriage. Because like David said, we were so new. We had known each other for years and we're very close. However, (laughs) as you know, when you get married, things change. There's a lot to learn, a lot of challenges, Yeah, good challenges, but then, you know, you throw on this other challenge and it consumes you. So we were dealing with it differently. We were struggling through infertility very differently and our communication was lacking because we didn't know how to communicate about it. So that's what brought us to meeting with you guys. Yeah. Hey, Maddie, I'm wondering if you would say some more about that, because I think you're hitting on something that a lot of couples struggle with when it comes to this issue. And it's that the husband and the wife process this grief or this challenge or this, you know, difficulty very differently. And, and David, you can chime in here too, but I'm wondering if you could share just a little bit more and as open as you want to be just about how, um, how you guys process that differently. Yeah. I think, um, I know not all women grow up with this dream of being, of carrying their baby and birthing their baby and, you know, all those steps, those beautiful steps, but that was definitely my story. So to be told that that is taken away and there's nothing I can do to impact and, or change that 
it crushed my world and it was depressing. And the challenge was that it was very emotional and there were so many things throughout my day that triggered it. And I would be invited to a baby shower or Hmm. I would be at, you know, the grocery store and here's this new mama with her sweet baby. And I'd want to be sweet and friendly and happy for these people. But at the same time, I'm hurting. And when it's fresh, it's hard to constantly be reminded. And there would be baby announcements and, um, or at work or whatever, just, you know, constantly. So it was in my face a lot. So it was on my mind a lot. And I felt like I couldn't really escape it mentally. So I always thought like, how am I going to heal from this? Like, how is it going to work in this? I can't, I can't get away from it. I can't like, it's always on my, my mind and my heart. So what was challenging was explaining that to David because his mind was not always there. He could separate, he could compartmentalize and say, we're not even really ready for kids right now. We're newly married. And we didn't plan on having kids for like three years. So I'm not going to worry about it too much right now. Um, and I looked at that as like, well, you don't even care then how much I'm hurting. And so there began the problem of, I think he doesn't care about how I'm hurting because he's not hurting in the same ways and isn't showing it like I do. Like I am very outwardly crying and like falling apart in our bedroom at night and he's just holding me and he doesn't know what to say, which is fine. But he's just, I remember specifically sitting on the edge of our bed and him just holding me and rocking me. It was so sad but that's all I could do. And that's all he could do. So until we started learning, like, this is why I had this moment, or this is what brought this up, or I'm just having a hard time thinking about anything else until I could communicate those things. David's kind of like, well, are we ever going to heal from this? Am I ever not going to have to hold you on the bedroom floor? Because I kind of feel like this could be our new marriage. And that's terrifying for a new husband. That's like, well, I was so excited for our life together and we have a new home and we can look at other ways of having a family, but here you are so stuck on something that they clearly said no, you know? So it's just very different perspectives. And two, David is diagnosed with cancer. It was like, yes, he had his down points for sure. But for the most part, it was like, okay, let's just get it going. Let's give me more. I want to get, um, kind of like a soldier, just give me my task and I'll complete it and we'll move on, you know, one day at a time. And that is, that, that was so brave and so helpful to myself and his mom, because he was kind of like that strong, (laughs) strong, persevering personality that we needed and God gifted him with, which was beautiful. Um, But that wasn't always helpful when I'm emotional and just want to sit and like deal with, wow, this hurts because his mind is like, but we can move on from this. We can heal from this. And I just wanted somebody to sit and listen and tell me it's okay to be really upset about this for a while. So that's kind of where a lot of our miscommunications happened initially. David, I wonder, um, I know that there are couples out there and I think a lot of husbands are in a similar boat of, I just don't know what maybe the wife is processing or how it's being processed. What would you say to dads or maybe what did you learn through the process of how to help your wife heal or how to understand your wife a little bit through the, through the midst of this? Yeah. Um, patience is a large part of, of this, but it shows itself in many different ways. Um, Maddie had mentioned just like holding her and rocking her and being quiet and not having a clue. I didn't have a clue, you know, and, sure, and there sure. are times now where I, I don't have like any sense of what to say. I'm not that fantastic with words in conversation anyway. So I think a way that, um, husbands can show love is, is, just through silent patience, you know, how can, how can you be comforting and how can you, um, try and and meet, uh, your wife where she is when you have no idea what to do, you know, it's, 
it's not by reacting. It's not by saying something um, short. I, I think the mm-hmm. hardest conversations or the most fights we had, Maddie and I, at those times was when I would be like, but there's a way forward. There's always hope. You know, those aren't the right answers to these things. You know, like, um, Maddie, can you speak? What what I'm trying to say is is you know, when you were going through that, you didn't want to hear like, oh, just trust in the Lord. You know, God's going to work <laughs> everything out for the good of those who love him. It's like, oh my gosh, I am hurting right now. So that would be an example of what not what not to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, so we all, we, we all process uh, these things differently. We all uh, react uh, differently. Um, and the other thing I think is to recognize that your wife is processing something differently than you are. And, and that's a two way street. Right. But, but at the same time, I need to meet Maddie's emotional needs and support her emotionally. So there are those times, um, for just to come together and to, to pray, uh, about hope and about strength and, um, trust in the Lord. And there are those times to pray about how awful it is and how, how angry we are. And just like, forget everything that the Lord has brought us through. What about this now? You know, there there is continuously or can be continuously that um, questioning of, but what about this, Lord? How big are you? Will you bring me through this? I needed to know that Maddie was processing it differently, but, mm-hmm. at, but at the same time, her methods of processing this grief were valid and were right. You know, it was it was okay for us to sit on the floor and cry and express, um, anger to God and, and confusion. Um, you know, but at the, but at the same time, I feel like even if it was days, you know, we would always come back and just be like, Lord, you, you are still God. Mm -hmm. You are still God and Mm -hmm. our lives are yours. Um, and if you choose to, create life that is wonderful and will rejoice in you. And if you choose to, um, for us to build a family differently, you know, you are still God and we will learn how to love, um, that child as our own. David, I appreciate you guys being so vulnerable with us and sharing just from your heart as, as you ask the question, like, God, how are you going to build our family? Um, did you ever think about adoption? Was that was was that the the next phase? How how much were you willing to um, start that process of moving on from your grief and and how was that looking forward for you? As as any man would, you you see a problem and you need to fix it. <laughs> so <laughs> the quicker you can fix it, the the better it is, right? Hmm. Um, Unfortunately. You know, that, you're saying that tongue in cheek. You're like, saying that tongue in cheek, but that's that's sadly very everybody real. Everybody is agreeing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so for me to move on from infertility and um, look towards building a family differently uh, was was easy in, in some sense, but I was missing Maddie. Right. So Maddie also needs to be on board with how we're going to build this family. Um, and when it, when, when it came time through many conversations, through much prayer, uh, there, we're kind of exploring both. We're saving for adoption or IVF because both are expensive and, um, you know, still being newly married, not ready for a family, but looking into adoption and, and just like knowing that uh, most agencies like want you have want you to have a couple years of marriage under your belt, you know. So I'm like, 
all right, <laughs> you know, like, good, we aren't going to start a family for at least three years. <laughs> like, let's make this compromise here. Maddie, what was, what was the, was, what was the emotions in your heart when David would talk about adoption? Were you ready to talk about that? Was it, um, you know, how, how did that feel for you? Yeah, it was great. There became a point where I realized infertility for us was most likely going to be a lifelong grieving process because even though we could adopt and welcome in our children, these would be our children. And I firmly believed we would love them like our children. Um, however, there's still that hurt that you can't erase and you're still losing something you thought that you were going to have. So it took some time. It probably took a year, but then I was able to kind of come to terms with the grieving will come and go throughout my life. And that's okay. I can still be a mom who's completely devoted to loving and raising our kids for the Lord. And I will embrace this new journey of adoption and I will, you know, do it with an all, all in attitude. However, I'm also going to let myself grieve when I need to, because for mom's I think especially that doesn't go away. So I tried to live within both realms <laughs> healthily. Yeah. How much of, of your struggle too made you think about just your identity as a person? I mean, a lot of how you're thinking and in these moments are defined upon defined by what isn't being true of you and what might never be true of you. And yet, there's always that theological tension of we are what God says mm -hmm. of us, right? And and so we are, you know, there's all these facets to salvation of we are adopted by him, loved by him, dearly beloved. He knows, right? I, I know um, just because of our conversations with you guys that that was some sense of a struggle, right? To really embrace in your faith who God is, what he said about you, and to actually activate that, mm -hmm. right? How, how did that go for you? A struggle, <laughs> just simply a struggle. It was, um, I didn't know who I was to God truly at all. And I didn't know that I was making motherhood an idol. Um, it hurt a lot to be told I wouldn't be a biological mom and that's okay. And that's normal and human, but it did for me take on another level that wasn't right. And it's hard to admit that, but it's true. And it's something that now um, that we have our baby, it is something that's very much so on the forefront of my mind, which is a gift because it allows me to remember <laughs> to not fall into that again, um, to remember who I am in Christ and my identity being from God first um, and letting that filter everything else out. But it's easy yeah. in life to get sidetracked from that, especially when you really desire to be this title. <laughs> well, you may have let the cat out of the bag a little bit here, but um, this, this isn't and wasn't the final definition of your marriage. Um, Maddie, maybe you can share with us um, one day that maybe changed everything for you guys. Yeah, <laughs> it was such an exciting day. It will forever be one of the best days of our life. Um, yeah, we, I took a pregnancy test because I thought I was crazy in doing that. I, I remember being like, why am I wasting my money on a pregnancy test? Lord, why? <laughs> and <laughs> being angry that I need to take this test. Like, just like, why are you doing this to me, God? This feels like a mean trick. Like I'm late mm. and that's odd. And so, but why this is so confusing and just the whole way to Walgreens complaining in prayer, essentially, um, to God about this situation. And then we, I got home, David wasn't home, but I took the test and I thought I did it incorrectly. I literally thought <laughs> that I had done the test wrong <laughs> because I came back three minutes later and it was, positive. I've never taken one of those tests, but they're, they're foolproof, right? <laughs> it was, yeah. 
Yes. Oh, it's like the most simple thing. And I even got a nice one. So it's not even like you could say, oh, it's cheap, you know? No. <laughs> so it was so crazy. I remember just staring at it and like walking away and then coming back and looking at it again and then laughing and then like, God, what are you doing? Just so many thoughts in my mind. It was the most bizarre experience and moment, but like the most exciting. I think I was pumped on adrenaline. It was just crazy. And <laughs> did, how did you how did you tell David? I want to know how you broke the well, news to him. I, yeah. <laughs> There's a video of it if you want to see it. Can we link it to it in our show <laughs> Let's notes? Post it. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna put it's that kind in the show. Embarrassing because he walked in and I just said, okay. I need to tell you something. And he goes, okay. And he kind of got this smirk on his face and he's like, you oh. took a test. And I was like, yeah, but I think I did it wrong. Cause it's positive. <laughs> like I just totally did not make it fun <laughs> or exciting. I was just blurting stuff out. It was, it was like so pathetic. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and it was, but like David's reaction was beautiful. He just instantly got so excited and his smile was so big. But then a second later, I could tell he was like, but wait, I need to remain calm because Maddie's losing it. Like, I need to think this. I need to be logical, pull myself together. So he he suggested, let's go get some more tests. So we left for Walgreens and got a few more <laughs> that night, actually. Yeah. We just, we took, well, that's when we came home and we took one together and we prayed so hard before looking at that second test. Just Lord. This feels yeah. insane. Are we crazy? Are you crazy? Like, what is going on? This <laughs> is really shocking. But if it's positive, Lord, you are good. But if it's negative, you are good. Like, just trying to ground mm. ourselves in truth and remember mm. that if this was a roller coaster that doesn't end happily, it's okay. And we'll be okay. And God is still mm. here with us. And this wasn't some mean tr mm. trick he's pulling. Um, but at right. the same time, hoping with every fiber in my being that it is a happy ending. <laughs> and then walking over there and seeing those two beautiful lines. It was insane. Hmm. So Maddie, I got to ask you because there's a, there's a particular pain of infertility that there's a, there's a particular isolation in it. And you know full well this is not yours is not a normal story no is it what did that do to your emotions as you began to become more pregnant and have friends who um, perhaps were still in the situation that you had just miraculously been released from if if that's a way that I can even talk about it I'm not even sure if that's appropriate but but yeah. you know what I'm saying there's a there's a particular new struggle that maybe you found yourself in that maybe the outside world would say well you got what you wanted isn't this great and yet was it yes and no it definitely um my heart you know you still feel for, and your heart still breaks for those families because you know it, you know, that struggle, you know, the reminders that they get every day or whatever, just frequently. And it is painful to watch and you almost feel guilty for celebrating. We were just very mm. blessed to have friends and family who were happy for us, even if they were still struggling. And I tried really hard to be that for our friends and family when they announced their pregnancies, when we were struggling, but it is so challenging. And a lot of people don't tell you. So if you're the couple dealing with infertility and they're pregnant, sometimes they don't even include you. They tell all their other fr friends and family and you find mm. out secondhand or whatever from Facebook because they don't want to hurt you. So they're protecting you, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel that way. It, it's very painful, or at least in my experience, it was very, very painful. And I felt angry that they were trying to protect me because I just wanted them to give me the opportunity to be happy for them, but they took that away. They didn't even tell us. So that was a struggle. So keeping that in mind, when we would tell somebody who was dealing with infertility that we were pregnant, I try to be very gentle and forthcoming and, and make it um, an individual one-on-one -on -one scenario. So they weren't trying to 
you know, hide their reactions or whatever. They could just be what they needed to be with just us. And it would be more intimate of a setting and Mm. more comfortable, hopefully for them too. Um, that's something that I, I took from our own struggle moving forward. But even in parenthood today, infertility kind of sneaks back because there are moments when mothering is just hard and kind of ugly. And you think to yourself, but you wanted this. You prayed so hard for this. Mm. And Satan really loves those oh. thoughts. And he really loves to give you those doubts of, but you're not doing good enough with your miracle. <laughs> And that's such a lie. And I know that. And I know that God speaks to that and can guard our heart from that and is our defense against that. But in the heat of it, it can be very, it's a very real battle. It can be very challenging and very consuming. So somebody who struggled with infertility definitely still has some remnants of that, even if things look a little different Mm. than they used to. And yet there there was a um act of god yeah. right that allowed you to yeah. conceive a kid and that's a special yeah. special thing um i i don't even pretend to know what pregnancy <laughs> feels like i've you know i i've got a wife who has Kristen. maybe you should ask this question <laughs> but um i you know you've already reminded me of of uh, Sarah, as she finds out from God that you're going to have a kid and, and what is she, mm-hmm. she laughed, <laughs> you know, for you to be laughing is just one of those, it's just, it's such a human reaction, but such a funny faith yeah. reaction. Um, were there any of those things throughout your pregnancy that just made you celebrate the Lord in a different way? Yes. Yes. All of the ultrasounds, just see watching him grow And being like, okay, first of all, this is amazing. So anybody who's ever pregnant, this is amazing. And our story, yes, it's it's a little special or different, but oh my goodness, just the value of life. And I I didn't know all of the intricacies and details that go into pregnancy. Excuse me, go into pregnancy and just that whole process. It's absolutely mind blowing. yeah, there were quite a few times where I'm like, God, only you, only you can do this, not just for us, but any couple, mm-hmm. any family, like this is insane. Right. And I, I feel like I understood how he loves me more intimately because of being, because of him giving me the experience of watching Eli be formed. Because <laughs> I don't want to cut to the end so quickly, but the, the big question on the table is, um, you know, David, you've, you've gone through cancer and um come out the other side and there's been those you know um, side effects that maddie you've had your own grieving process over and i think sometimes in our american lives we really struggle with the idea of um of trials and of of being put in difficult situations you guys are still in your 20s you know uh and and so it's 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 hard to act like you've seen a lifetime of trials, but you've seen a very, you've been through very difficult seasons and and deep valleys. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, both what have you learned about God from where you are today? And what have you learned about the trial? Well, I can tell you that God is a lot more personal now. Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian Mm. home. However, he kind of always seemed like this guy in the Bible who's really good and I can trust him, but until you struggle and until he's all you have, (laughs) you don't realize how much he really cares for you and how faithful he is. Infertility brought me to my knees, um, again and again in ways I never thought I would. And to see God continually show up in the big and small moments changed my faith forever and, and then on top of that, just him answering our prayer for a biological baby so directly, it, I will, I could never question him again. Um, mm. it, I will never question if he hears our prayers <laughs> or if he loves us or cares for us, you know, um, he is so much more personal to me now and I trust him. So even when more trials come, cause I know they will, um, 
I can look back at these examples of him showing up and him, well, he's always been here, you know, and um, the lessons he's taught us and rely on that in our future trials, because it would be foolish to forget all that he's done for us. And sometimes that's easy to do, but I just mean in the big picture, um, moving forward in our lives, I, I just, he is all we have. And, and these trials, they remind you that you're not in control of life. There's sometimes there's things that you can't control, but it's all things you, it's so hard to admit that to your human brain, but, and your heart, um, but it's true. And so to be yeah. like punched in the gut and reminded of that in the middle of a trial, um, it's kind of the best place as a Christian you can be in because then you realize like, okay, God, I really have to open my hands with every area of my life, even the areas that I was really holding on to and give it to you again and again, because this is the best place for these parts for all of my life to be is in your hands. But you just, it's hard to live that day to day. So when you're in a trial, it reminds you like, no, Maddie, you're not, you're not your own savior. You can't heal David. You can't give yourself a baby. Like all these things that are good and natural to desire, you can't do. So it is um, Mm -hmm. the craziest reminder, but I can look back now and be very thankful for our trials because they have shaped a lot of things for me. Dana, it, it has very much so solidified, if I can bring it around, just that, you know, singing the song in my head back then, not knowing what was going on, Christ the solid rock, I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And for for Maddie, her struggle and grief was with infertility. And a side effect of the cancer that I had was my struggle and grief was my identity was of being a soldier was, was taken from me. Yeah. Um, something I had, I had dreamed of doing something I had trained to do. Um, and so now knowing that the Lord is, um, who I need to find, you know, all, all bit of worth and value and, um, self in knowing that he has every step of my life planned out that he's orchestrated every bit of it i can move forward into the unknown of how many more kids are we going to have if we want another are we going to have to adopt you know he he answered our prayer for eli uh will he do it again we don't know he doesn't have to being able to trust him with these things, um, I think has, has really become just a beacon, you know, a hope, a light to move forward, to continue to fight the good fight. Thank you guys for taking all the time to unpack your story for us, um, on this podcast. One of our simple hopes is that as we tell stories of how regular people from our campus have just followed the Lord through whatever circumstances come their way, that we would um, see how it enriches our faith and help enrich the faith of others. That's why it's called the Following Faith Podcast is because I just want to follow stories of how people are walking by faith. And I think you two have been an inspiration to so many people, probably people that, that maybe you don't know, but they know you just because this has put a spotlight on you as just a couple. Um, but I also am grateful for the maturity in your lives to be reflective and thoughtful and to be prayerful, to lean into community and not pull away from it, to lean into the Lord and not reject him and to put your flag even deeper into the soil of, of, of God and his identity in your life um, is, is so awesome. So you guys, I want to just thank you for being uh, transparent and authentic with, with our, listening audience and with us and it's just a privilege to be in a church family with you guys so um, we don't know what the lord has in the future but here's what he's done so far and i think you listening at home can can say isn't he good Um, until next time uh this is the following faith podcast we hope this conversation helps you follow christ further we'll see you